0: Two weeks ago, we began a a series uh, looking at um, the armor of God, talking about spiritual warfare. We made the statement that whenever a person comes and makes a decision for Christ, automatically you're a part of God's kingdom, and then there's going to be a spiritual battle between Satan's kingdom. So there's a spiritual battle that happens uh, every day of our lives, and uh, God did not leave us unprepared for it. Not only did he give us his Holy Spirit to strengthen us and empower us, but he also gave us uh, some armor, some weapons of warfare so we can be prepared for the spiritual warfare. If you got your Bibles, I want you to open them to the book of Ephesians uh, and look at the sixth chapter. Paul writing a letter in prison, and as he's writing in prison, every day he sees a Roman soldier. And as he comes to the close of this letter and he's thinking about some final comments to make, it's like he uses the imagery of what the soldier is wearing to then connect it to a spiritual armor that we are to have. Starting in the 10th verse, he says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Key right there, the strength of his might. Not in your own strength. It's not just you bowing up being better, but this is in in God's strength, okay? in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. It is a spiritual battle that we fight. And then he comes in verse 13 and says, therefore, since you've got this spiritual battle... Take up the whole armor of God. Second time, whole armor, everything, all six pieces, not just a couple, all six. Take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. That's a very victorious verse that you've done all that you can do. And it's like a wrestling term where you put the guy down, you got the throat on the neck and you're standing and you're standing victorious. And he says, You can be victorious in the spiritual battles that you fight. So then verse 14 says, Stand therefore, and he begins to lay out the armor. Having fastened on the belt of truth, So he talks about the first thing to do, to put the belt of truth. We talked about that, that there is a standard of truth. God's Word gives us a standard of truth. We're in a society where everything seems to be relative, but according to God's Word, there are standards of truth. There is right, there's wrong, there's morality, immorality. So you put on the belt of truth, fasten on the belt of truth. Then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness that protects your heart. And we have a positional righteousness in Christ, but we also have a a standard, a desire to live righteous lives, to protect our heart from these attacks. And then he says in verse 15, And as the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace then you tie on, you strap on your shoes. And, and that those shoes during that day gave them a firm footing uh, in their war. And he says, in order for you to have a firm footing in your battle, you've got to really have a peace, a peace about uh, the peace of God in you and a peace about who he is and, and, and who you are and, and about this world and the sovereignty of God. You need to be able to stand firm in it. And so it's interesting. And then when he talks about the first three uh, parts of the armor, that when you think about them, they're all ones that you have to put on. Uh, so you have to fasten a belt. Then you slip on, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Then you take your shoes and you strap those on and you tie them on. And then he goes to the next three. And when he goes to the next three, they're all ones that you just grab and go. You just pick them up. And he says over here, you look in verse 16, and it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So once you've put on three pieces of the armor, then let's just grab and go. Let's, let's get the helmets, get our shield, let's get our sword, and let's get ready for battle. And so let's talk about these last three pieces of the armor. And I'm going to uh, switch them and instead of talking about shield of faith let's talk about the helmet of salvation first the helmet of salvation now Helmets were made of iron or bronze. And as you can look at this helmet, uh you'll see, well you can't tell but on the inside there's like uh, there's some felt or some materials, some kind of spongy stuff, so it'll fit on your head okay and, and it's and protect your head. You'll also notice it's made of like an iron or a brass and it's strong, so if something hits it, you can be protected. There's a little flap on the back which protects your neck. There's some metal areas that are like cheek guards that protect your face. And then here, per on the forehead, it's reinforced so that if somebody's coming down, hitting you with a club or something with a downward slashing motion, you have protection there. So when you put on the helmet, pretty well got you good, got you covered pretty well. The back of your neck, your cheekbones across the top over there. And it purpose was, was to protect your, your head if you can protect your head, you can kind of protect a lot of the rest of your body. And we know about helmets. We do it in football. They wear a helmet. Baseball, you've got a a batting helmet. When you ride your bike, you're supposed to wear a helmet. When you're on a motorcycle, you wear a helmet. All of that is to protect your head. Well, from a spiritual standpoint, when he says the helmet of salvation, it is to protect our minds, your ability to think, your ability to reason. Because Paul understands that if Satan can begin to get access to your mind. If you begin to leave strongholds in your mind for Satan to get there, then he can begin to distribute his lies into your head. He can begin to manipulate your emotions and he can begin to hack away at the spiritual foundations of your life. He begins to mess with your mind. And so Paul is saying, you need to put on the helmet of salvation. Now, the devil cannot take away your salvation. If you make a decision for Christ, he cannot take away your salvation. But what he can do is he can rob your joy. He can take your joy. He can have you questioning your salvation. He can have you questioning your worth in God's eyes. And before you know it, just make your life flat out miserable. Even though you're still a believer, you're completely ineffective because your mind is getting messed over by the devil. So, When you think about the helmet of salvation, I want you to think at least about two major things. First of all, whenever you put on the helmet of salvation, it reminds you of the three tenses of your salvation. I just want you to write this down. It reminds you of the three tenses of your salvation. Salvation, number one, the past tense of your salvation is that you've been saved from the penalty of sin. When you think about salvation, there's a past tense. That is means you've been saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus Christ went to a cross and took all of the sins of the world on him. He took your sins on him, and he died on that cross. And when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sins. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. So there has to be death. He says, I will die for your sins. Then it comes back and says, but the gift It's a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Is that he gives us eternal life, which means that he paid the penalty for your sin. And so he has already paid the penalty for your sin. So when you make a decision for Christ, your sins, your past sins, present, future sins, they are covered. That penalty is taken care of. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to think that, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my salvation or am I going to heaven or not? Those sins have been paid. So you put on the helmet of salvation. You think about the past tense. I'm saved from the penalty of sin. Second of all is the present tense, and that is I'm saved from the power of sin. The present tense is that I'm saved from the power of sin. When we make a decision for Christ, it says that his Holy Spirit comes into our lives and he then empowers us to be able to overcome all temptation. Romans chapter 8 verse 2 says it this way. For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. Look what it says. You have been freed from the power of sin. So it, it, it just... It takes away the excuse so that whenever we give in to a temptation or we sin, we can't sit there and say, I just wasn't strong enough. Well, you could technically say you were not strong enough, but he who is in you is stronger than he who is in the world. So in essence, what you're saying is, I don't really believe God's strong enough to help me have victory over that temptation. Because what God's word says is that you are being saved from the power of sin, Okay. So the past, we've been saved from the penalty. In the present, we're saved from the power of sin. And then in the future, we'll be saved from the presence of sin. And when I put on the helmet of salvation, it reminds me that one day, I will even be saved from the presence of sin. In Revelation 21, 27, it says, Nothing impure will ever enter heaven, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. There is no sin in heaven. So when we die and we step into heaven, we'll be saved from the presence of sin. So when you put on the helmet to get ready for, for spiritual warfare, you got everything attached on, it says, grab your helmet, let's go. I want you to protect your mind. And don't let Satan get in there and begin to question salvation. The question, does God really love you? to question, do you have any worth? He says, no, I've got worth. And I know I'm saved. I'm saved from the past, the present, and even in the future. And the last thing is this. And that is that the helmet of salvation readies you to engage in battle. It just readies you to engage in battle. You know the scripture says that we're to put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave any piece off. And uh, when you grab your helmet, it means you're ready to go. Now I've seen a lot of movies with uh, during Roman times. I know that you have too. And uh, most of the guys you see walking around, just the regular guys, they don't have their helmet on. Now they got their got their swords on and everything, but they don't have the helmet on. But all of a sudden, when it's time for battle, what do they do? They grab your helmet. And you grab your helmet, you put your helmet on says, we're ready for battle. If you're sitting on the bench, if I was sitting on a bench and I was on a football team and I've been sitting there for a long time and all of a sudden the coach says, Wood, grab a helmet. What does that mean? Most likely it means I'm getting ready to go in. So what you do is you go grab your helmet, you grab your helmet, you put it on, you're ready to play. So there's a readiness for battle. Put on the helmet of salvation. Number two, the shield of faith. Second thing he talks about is the shield of faith. And the shield of faith is very similar to what we see here. Shield of faith was, um, uh, for the Roman soldiers, was about four feet high and about two and a half feet wide. And it was two pieces of wood, a piece of wood here and a piece of wood here, that were put together. And they pressed those together. And that gave a strength to your shield. Then there was also the metal that was on the edges to, to protect it. So that as you came down or anything from the top or the bottom of the sides, there was a protection. There was an iron boss here that when people would throw stones or shoot arrows, it could bounce off of that. But then this section here was made out of a canvas or a leather. And it was set up so that if arrows were shot, that they would either bounce off or stick in here. And uh, if they had any flame to it, which we'll talk about in just a minute, it would extinguish the flame. In fact. What soldiers would do is before they would go into battle, they'd take their shields and they would douse it in water and they would make this wet. And then when people would shoot flaming arrows, it would hit and it would extinguish those arrows. It talks about in here, when you take a look at um, in uh, verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts, okay? All the flaming darts. During that day, people had... Uh, It's almost like little missiles. Uh, It would be um, it it would be either made out of wood or metal, and some of them would be like arrows. That they'd put uh, some uh, fire on the tips, and they'd shoot the arrows and try to hit the soldiers. Uh, some, uh, there were some uh, times where there were things they would throw and other times there were uh, some little projectiles that had combustible materials that when it would come, it didn't look too bad and then all of a sudden it would hit something and then it, would, it was almost like an explosion. There would be a, a breakout of fire there. And so for a soldier, if you didn't have your shield, you were vulnerable to get lit up, literally, okay? So when you had that shield, when the arrows started coming, you'd lift that shield up And it would hit in the shield. And it says it would extinguish the arrows. It did more than just take the arrows. It would extinguish them. So if there was a a fiery arrow that came, it hit that leather and and that canvas and it hit that wet surface and it would would, uh, extinguish it. And so this was an amazing device because it would protect the body and it would protect the life of the soldier because he was going to be in battle. The arrows were going to be flying. But when it did... He needed to have that shield. And when he had that shield, he felt very secure. And just imagine if you were a Roman soldier and you left your shield at home and you got out there on the front line and you see all these archers lined up with flaming arrows. What are you thinking? I'm a crispy critter. I mean, uh, I, there's not a lot of hope for me. But if I've got my shield over here, when the arrows are flying, shields are up. And I'm getting ready for have some kind of protection so what does that mean when Paul uses that analogy, extinguish the flying darts or the flaming darts or the flaming arrows? It's his, his explanation or his, his thinking as he comes through is that Satan is like throwing these flaming arrows and darts towards us. It's these things that come at us from all kind of directions, some suggestions to do evil, some incitements to sin, and he just throws them at our mind like these flaming arrows. And and some of these arrows come in and they look inconsequential and they look harmless, just like those ones that would come in and had that little explosion on the tip. And some of those things will come in and we say, this is minor. But all of a sudden, we let it into our lives and it begins to be a raging fire. And all of a sudden, there's catastrophic results. You see, there are hateful thoughts that come through. There are thoughts of vengeance and of lust and despair and hopelessness blasphemous thoughts and doubts such as is there really a God or is Jesus who he really says he is or is all this Christian life of obedience really necessary? And all of a sudden these little darts and these missiles and they're aimed at you and they're throwing at your head and at your heart and and you're getting bombarded by this. And they come suddenly and they come from all directions and they come at bizarre times. I can't tell you how many people when I just in talking, just in counseling or just in rubbing shoulders with other believers Will sit there and say some of the weirdest things have come to me while I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible, and all of a sudden these these thoughts these thoughts of uh, of maybe do things against God's will, or going places where I shouldn't go, or saying things I shouldn't say. He said, "It's amazing. I'm, I'm right there in the middle of God's word. I'm just getting attacked. I mean, Satan he, he throws these things at us, and it's at bizarre times, and and it's just you get you get ambushed by them." And what he's saying is that as these things come to us, that the purpose of these arrows, they are to pierce, to penetrate, and to torment our souls. And Satan is just dishing those. And what Paul is saying is you've got to take up the shield of faith. And somebody me tell you, what does that mean to take up the shield of faith? Well, first of all, this is what it means. It means applies what you believe about God. Taking up the shield of faith applies what you believe about God. Now, I want you to hang with me for just a moment. When he talked about the shield of faith, he did not say the shield of belief. You got that? He didn't say the shield of belief. He said the shield of faith. I hate already covered belief. Hey, we got the, we got uh, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's the truth of God, the righteousness of God, it's the peace of God. We got that down. It's not a shield of belief, it's a shield of faith. And faith is more than belief, faith is acting upon belief. Faith is decision, it is action, it is resolution, it is a dependence on God and a willingness to do his will. I have faith in you. And when I say I don't just believe in God, but I've got faith in him. And when the arrows come, I've got faith in you. And I can lift up that shield of faith, trusting God, depending on God, being resolute and saying, I'm not gonna give in. I'm gonna extinguish those arrows that are coming my way. And I'm gonna hold on, and I'm going to be secure in my position because of that. You see, maybe there have been times when you feel like almost that life is too difficult to bear. Sometimes there are traumas that come through our life that you sometimes just wanna say, hey, it's too much. Perhaps you're having trouble coming to terms with the death of a loved one. Perhaps you're faltering under financial burdens. Perhaps your marriage is going through a strained time. Perhaps you've been through a time of watching children turn from the Lord. In face of such trauma, you need to hold up the shield of faith. And you've got to trust him. I mean, we're at that point where this is all I can do is to trust you. And Satan wants to beat you down and beat you down. And Paul says, you take up the shield of faith and you hold that up and you trust him. I I mentioned some of the uh, lyrics from a song, a Lauren Daigle song, uh, Trust in You. And in that song, in essence, it's saying that when the flaming arrows of doubt are shot at you, how will you respond? In the chorus of the song, she says, when you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters that I wish I could walk through, when you don't give answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. And when Satan tries to put all the different doubts, and when all the difficulties of life hit, I'm not just going to lay my shield down and say, I'm done. I'm going to hold up my shield. And what that does is that applies what you believe about God, and Lord, I believe in you. And you realize this is not just your strength. This is you're being empowered by the Spirit of God. As you're empowered by the Spirit of God, he will give you the strength to hold up that shield and to be one that says, I've got faith in you, I will trust you. But let me tell you the second thing. When you see the shield of faith, it assures you a victory over spiritual attacks. It assures you of victory over spiritual attacks. The shield of resolute faith helps believers stand firmly, resist the devil and his schemes. We can hold up the shield and gain victory. So how do you know that assures us of victory? First John 5, 4 says this. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. Our faith in God and our faith in trusting God. You continue to move forward. Faith gives us the strength to stand against Satan with firm courage, even when he uses most fearsome weapons. Listen, when the shield is in place, the flaming flaming arrows of doubt and temptation, they will be extinguished. See, I like that. He says they will be extinguished. There's nowhere in the Scripture that says if you just hold up the shield of faith, then all of a sudden the arrows start coming. Put the shield down, here come the arrows. Shield up, no arrows. Shield down, arrows coming. Not that at all. He says, you put the arrow, up, you put the shield up, <smack> arrows are coming all over the place. But they're being extinguished. Which what it means is that Satan has no power. He's got these flaming arrows coming at you and they hit and they fall and they're powerless. It's the shield of faith. James 4 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. If you keep on, it says, if you keep on resisting Satan, he'll flee from you. Think about that. You keep that shield of faith again and again. You refuse to give up your position. And sooner or later, inevitably, the doubts will clear. Your feelings will change. The attacks will cease. And you will again be walking in the joy of the Lord. There will come a time that they will slow down. You remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? He was tempted three times. Satan tempted him in the wilderness. And when Jesus did not give in to any of those, it says, and he departed from him until an opportune time. It was not that, okay, you got three, he's out. No, Satan says, I'll come back an opportune time. And there will be attacks that will happen in our lives. And we have to hold up that shield of faith. And as those arrows are coming, we stay resolute and we resist the devil and says, he will flee from you. And as he flees and all of a sudden it's like a, a, a some times of calm uh, to where, okay, all right, we can take a breath and we keep on moving forward. But let me give you a third point, And this is this. Taking up the shield of faith accrues in importance the more you fulfill God's plan for your life. We'll leave it up there for a moment. You need to write this down. Accrues in importance the more you fulfill God's plan for your life. Taking up the shield of faith. The closer a soldier marches towards the enemy's front lines, the more intense the barrage of flaming arrows. When you're way back here and front lines are way over there, you don't get a lot of arrows. The closer you get, the more intense the arrows Likewise, we need to always be on guard against Satan's attacks. The more progress you make in fulfilling God's plan for your life, the more intense the barrage of flaming arrows you can expect. And during these times, you need to raise the shield of faith for protection and stand secure in Christ. You know, we have talked a lot in this church about 2017 that, um, God has done amazing things. We did a 2010 vision and uh, missions vision, then came back, touched the world 2015, and we did a, a chapters which will take us through uh, the end of this year. and And we feel like as we get to the end of this year, that uh, that all the master plan of of, of our um, uh, facilities is complete. Uh, we will be debt free. Uh, we've just got a a whiteboard wide open to say, God, what is it that you want for us to do from 2017 on? And we've been working and and praying and talking and, and going there. So do you think Satan's just going to back up on that? No, I think there'll be an intensity. There'll be intensity of attack. And we've just got to be ready. We've got to be ready for it as a pastor and as a staff. We've got to be ready for it as church members because Satan does not want this church to be hitting a lick for the kingdom, both here and also around the world. And we're positioning ourselves to have a God-sized vision that can advance the kingdom in some incredible ways. Satan don't want to see that happen. And so just as you deal with your own attacks, that will take place in your life. I got good news for you because you're a member of our church, you're going to get attacked again. (laughs) This is not really a marketing sales pitch for you to join our church, is it? I don't think I'd want to be anyplace else. Uh, there was an African-American preacher that said something about if you've, never, uh, if you've never run headlong into Satan, it means you're traveling the same road he is. And, uh, and I'm I just going to tell you, we're going to be running headlong into him because we're heading in opposite directions from him. And that's why, that's where it needs to be. And so he talks about take up the shield of faith. Well, all my life as I've studied the, the armor, I've always said, and they've always said, and I agree, there are five pieces of armor, and they're all defensive, okay? Everything on here is defense, except there's one offense, and it is what? Yeah. Isn't it great when I point to it how much easier that is to answer that question over here? And thank you for the two that said handle. That's not good. Okay. The one offensive is the sword. I'm going to differ just a little bit because I think that the shield can also, in a sense, be an offensive weapon. And I got this theological thought from watching a theological movie, Captain America (laughs) and the Winter Soldier. In the movie Captain America and the Winter Soldier, the big freeway fight that they had, there was a time when Captain America, who used the round shield, not the rectangle one, um, is, is, and I'm watching this, and it just jumped all over me. He is sort of hunkered down in a position. And there's a guy standing on top of a of a car with, if you lose Civil War terms, it's like a Gatling gun, machine gun, you know. And he is just shooting him. I mean, he's just bam, 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 bam. And he's got his shield up, and he's just standing there, and he's just getting hammered. I mean, just, just hitting that shield, hitting that shield, hitting that shield, hitting that shield. And I wanted to pause it right there, and I said, that's some of our members right now. That's what they can relate to. This is their life. It's not one thing. It's not two things. It's not three things. It's four things. And it may be job. It may be marriage. It may be health. It may be this, maybe that, maybe finances. Can you give me some more bad news? So, what's wrong with the house? Oh my gosh. And the car, it fell apart? Great. And all these things. And you know how it is. And there are times when it just seems like there's a Gatling gun pointing at you. And he's sitting there just holding that shield. Because that's where a lot of us feel. And that's where you feel like, I'm holding up the shield of faith. I'm on defense. I'm just getting nailed by by Satan. But then Captain America did something else. He started moving forward. Things are still hitting the shield, but guess what's happening? He's getting closer and closer and closer. And when he gets real close, you know what's getting ready to happen, don't you? He's beating the stew out of the guy. Okay, all right. You know what's happened? He keeps moving forward. And so, and so the, the arrows are still coming, the, the bullets are still coming, but now he's pressing forward. And when he pressed forward, he then took him over, and he stood over him. I said, you know, this is what we are to do as Christians. We're not just to hunker down in defense and just keep getting nailed. Satan would love for us to just stay where we are. No, you've you got to move forward. And that shield helps you move forward. And as you're moving forward with the shield, you don't just move just with a shield. You also take a sword with you. So now I got a sword and I got a shield. The shield is protecting me. And as the bullets are coming to me, I got my sword here and I'm warding off uh, all the attacks of Satan. But I'm not going to just sit back on defense. I'm going offense. We're going to take some territory. Remember when Jesus says, this is my church. I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail. The gates are not offense. The gates are defense. So the church is to be in an offensive position. So if these were the gates, the gates will not prevail. We're just going to knock those gates down. Can't knock those gates down from way back here. You say, Danny, but we're taking fire. Yeah, but we got the shield of faith. And we got the sword. And we're just going to keep moving forward. And we're going to take over, take some territory. Let's take the territory. Well, that's how she the shield and so yes, it's defense, but it's also offense. But then the very last thing he talks about is the sword of the spirit. And you look and it says in verse 17, he says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the word of God. In the Greek language, when it talks about the word word, there are two Greek words for that. One is logos and one is rhema. Logos represents like the Bible as a whole, Rama is a specific word for a specific situation and this is rhema so in this when you look here and he says the sword of the spirit which is the word of god the Rama of god a word a specific word for us and when we take the sword of god it's interesting god has got like an armory full of swords for every specific battle and you just go in there and pick the sword that you need. Pick the scripture that you need. Pick the one that speaks to that particular uh, situation that you're in. And it is your offensive weapon. You say, well, why do we think this is our offensive weapon? It's because that's what Jesus did. When Jesus was being tempted by Satan and Satan came to him, all three times Jesus says, it is written. It is written. It is written. He quoted Old Testament passages. Satan tried to, tried to tempt him in this area and he would say, hey, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I mean, it is written. So the way that Jesus had victory in temptation was using the word of God. That's our sword. It says the sword of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture And so, these men that sat and wrote scripture, they were inspired by God, inspired through the Holy Spirit, and they wrote the word. So the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, He inspired the word of God. And then when you wield the sword, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you share scripture, it's not because you pronounce it very well or not because your memorization techniques are good. It is because of the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God or the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that comes and begins to separate and divide and convict and gives us victory. So it's just for us, it's a matter of, getting the word of God and then letting the Holy Spirit work through that and be an offensive weapon for us. And this will fend off these attacks and it'll get Satan fleeing. So you say, well, how do you use this sword, this word of God? Real easy to do. You ready? Three things. Number one, you can get this quickly. Learn it in your mind. Learn it in your mind. Learn it in your mind Joshua 1.8 says, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. Do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Meditate it on it day in life. Find life situations. If there are certain struggles that you have, look into God's word and find God's word that deals with that particular area of your struggle and just learn it in your mind. Learn it in your mind. Number two, love it in your heart. Love it in your heart. You learn it in your mind. You love it in your heart. Listen, just reciting God's word is not some magical form. There's not like a genie in a bottle. You've got to take God's word to heart. It's not that we memorize a few words and we throw it out and say, hey, this is it. No, you learn it in your mind, but you love it in your heart. You just love the word of God. Psalm 119, 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Isn't that interesting? I've hid it in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you. He didn't say, I memorized it in my head so I won't sin against you, but I hid it in my heart so that I will not sin against you. And then you live it in your will. Learn it in your head, love it in your heart, live it in your will. Psalm 119.105 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It directs me, it guides me, shows me how I should live. That's how you take the sword out. You got it? Learn it in your mind, love it in your heart, live it with your will. And that means you'll be carrying the sword with you every day. So here's my challenge to you. I don't want you just to be ready for the devil when he comes at you with temptation. I want you to go on the offensive and attack the strongholds in your life. For some of you years ago, Satan got a beachhead and he set up a camp in your life. and You have battled a temptation, a problem area, an addiction, an attitude, a bad habit for years. And you've just given up. You've acquiesced. You've surrendered that area to Satan. And you find yourself in a defensive posture guarding against future attacks. And he's just shelling you from this beachhead. Now is the time to take out that stronghold. Now is the time to reclaim that land. So put on the whole armor. Grab your helmet. Grab your shield. Take the sword of the spirit. And attack. And don't back down any longer. It's interesting when you read through and you see this verses through 10 through 17, when you get to verse 18, it says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's not just an add-on. That's a part of the armor. Praying at all times. And it says that we are to pray on the armor. That as we take the armor on, we are to pray it on. Every soldier in God's army, needs to be continually praying on the armor. The effectiveness of our battle is not in our strength, but in the strength of God. And that means we need to pray it on. We pray on the armor. And we end up praying about these different beachheads that are in our lives and saying, you know, that doesn't need to stay there. We can get victory over that. So we're gonna do something different today. Let me tell you how we're gonna close, close our our. our no, some of our worship time together. Uh, I've asked a number of people uh, to come and to set up in different places that will be here uh, so, that, uh, so that we can pray with them. So if, if you were one of the ones that we've selected, if you'll just stand over here. And I'm gonna tell you how I want to close our service. We've talked about the armor of God and it talks about praying on the armor. And I'm going to ask in just a moment, we're all going to stand, we're going to sing, and I want to invite you to be serious about this and say, you know, Lord, I, I want to pray on this armor, and I want this to be something daily that I do, and I, I want to, um, I, I want to take down the strongholds that have been in my life, and I'm going to invite you in just a moment. If you want you to come, and you can kneel or stand here, and just you can pray, and then go back, go back to your seat. There's nothing magical about coming here to the altar but it's just taking more of a step of commitment and say, God, I'm, I'm ready. And you're right here in the shadow of the army. It'd be a great thing to, rem- to remind you. But I've also got people around here. And the reason we've got different people around here is because I invite you, some of you just to come, take your hand and just say, how won't you pray with me? And for some, it may be a time of rejoicing. You may say, hey, this has been a great time of victory. I really need to give God praise. I'm gonna come to you and, and I just wanna, if you'll partner with me, and let, let's pray about this. And then for some, you may want to come and take the hands of any one of these people. We've got people up in the balcony too, so you can just step down, just pray. Just say, hey, I just want you to pray with me on this. You can be specific, you can be general. It's just you've got another Christian brother or sister that says, I'm here. I want to pray with you. And so I'm going to ask you to stand at this time. As you stand at this time, uh, Logan's going to lead us. And as we sing, and then I invite you, I'll be here at the front, others of ours here, and just come down, come down and let's pray. And let's do some business with God this morning.